This is Abby Costello, the Wham Bam Man from Alabama, and you are listening to Pop. Welcome back to Pop, your pop culture podcast. I'm your host, Ken Mills. Today on Pop, we're going to do a profile of someone who I find very interesting. Every once in a while, we're going to interview people in show business, and people in entertainment, and people that collect things. And today, we have this beautiful creature by the name of Abby Costello. Let me tell you how I met her. I was at the Nashville Rockin' Pod 2017 last year. It'd been an amazing day, meeting so many rock stars and so many fellow podcasters and so many listeners. It was just an amazing time. It was great meeting Nashville. It was almost like a character in itself. You really don't know what to expect from Nashville because you think that it's nothing but a bunch of hillbilly music or something like that. And I happen to love hillbilly music, but you kind of think that's all Nashville is. But when you get there, you realize that that's just a small part of what Nashville is because Nashville is almost unlimited. After this long day, I looked up and I saw these two figures approaching, these two beautiful creatures. One of them was a gentleman bedecked in purple with a mullet from hell. He almost looked like Prince had exploded. It was that prim and proper. And he had a cane with him and a bejeweled suit. On top of the cane was an eight ball. And beside him was this beautiful creature. She introduced herself to me as Abby Costello. She seemed to be out of time in the sense that I couldn't quite fix which time she was supposed to be from. Is she some sort of burlesque dancer from the 50s or a model a la Betty Page? Or is she someone from the future? All I know is she's here now. Welcome to Pop, Abby Costello. Hi there, happy to be here. Glad to have you here. Now, Abby, before we get going too far, would you tell people where they can find you on the social medias and the links and all that? Sure, yeah. You can find me on uh, Instagram at abby.on.first, like who's on first, or facebook.com slash burlesque, and you can find my happy hour show at facebook.com slash Underground. Let's go back to the, to the first time I met you. Can you describe what you were wearing the first time I met you? I'm not sure I even remember. I feel like um, just a black dress, wasn't it? Yes, it was a black dress, and your hair was really high. And oh yeah, I, 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 it's sort of my trademark that I have very big hair, kind of like in the '60s, hair hopping, it'd be called. Uh, <laughs> either either a beehive or just a large bouffant. Mm. And you had this lovely black dress, I believe, that kind of sparkled somehow. And I took your hand, and it was it was a really cool meeting. And I said, I'd love to have you on my show even back then. Mm -hmm. And you gave me your card, and it was uh, fantastic, and it's it's been nice getting to know you. Now, you and I have struck up a bit of a friendship over the last year mm -hmm. through Facebook and speaking on the phone and stuff. And I find you extremely interesting. And you've got some stories to tell. And I'd love for you to tell me how you got started in this thing, and how do you describe it? Is it burlesque? Yeah, burlesque. Could you describe your your art 
for our listeners? What do you do? What makes an Abbey Costello performance? I know that you do various kinds of routines. You're always mixing it up, always changing your themes and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. What is your act, and what do you hope to do whenever you're putting an act together? I've always kind of, you know, had a song in my heart. I hear music. I see beautiful costumes. I want to do something about it. Um, the music that I love, the the emotions that are in that music, and the the words they use to express them. I wanna I wanna bring them to life with the special brand of art that I put out. That's based around female sexuality and power, and and I guess I don't know how I would describe my style. It varies a lot. Mm-hmm. The first troupe that I started with some other girls, we were we were known as the the town's neo burlesque troupe, which is like new wave, non vintage, uh, new music new concepts, modern clothes, highly artistic concepts. These days I lean more toward classic. So I guess a performance for me meets some of that somewhere in between. I I try to combine elements of classic burlesque with elements of modern club stripping and my respect for those women and the things that they innovate and do. I, I try to think of interesting costumes that no one's doing, interesting reveals that no one's doing. I I do my best to be original while still paying homage to the um, amazing dancers that have come before. Uh Now, you mentioned some of those amazing dancers that have come before. Name some of the burlesque dancers throughout time that, that have inspired you. Well, my original inspiration, and I think probably for a lot of people my age, they, they would say that it would be Dita Von Teese. A lot of people like to hate on her, and I know that her style isn't my style or, or a lot of performers' styles. She's very, very classic. You know, she, she really was a big hand along with others like Dirty Martini in the, in the burlesque revival in the 90s and... From back then, she was someone that I looked up to and someone that I loved as, as far as other influences. Medianoke in New York, she's she's gorgeous and so talented. Her costumes are amazing. She She's she's won Queen of Burlesque at the Burlesque Hall of Fame in Las Vegas before. She just exudes this class and style, and I was like, that that is what I want to put forth, is very classy but also also that club stripper uh aspect to it you know you, you they, it's like it's like I, I feel i feel it's almost like a trick they get in there and they they're watching this pinup do these these very classy little moves with gloves and then so, suddenly right in the middle of it you do something really dirty that's her and that's me uh-huh. Well, what about Betty Page? Oh, yeah, Betty Page. Of course, I mean, I feel like that's a given. <laughs> Do you even have to say it out loud? Um, she's on everyone's wall. She was on my wall growing up. She's she's a style icon. She's an icon of um, what an independent woman in charge of her own body should be like, Full, fully embracing her own sexuality and fully embracing her ability to 
display it and not lose respect from people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's definitely an icon and mm-hmm. one of the, the many icons of this art. Where do you feel that this art started? Well, I think in, in the form that we recognize it, it, it started in the, the, in the Victorian times. What they used to think of as burlesque was sort of like what we would call a parody movie today. So they would be doing um, parodies of Shakespeare plays and parodies of popular musicals with silly songs in them. And then in the intermission or at the end, they would have the chorus line of girls doing things like the can-can, which is pretty scandalous. And that evolved over time into full female productions of these, these silly plays wherein they're wearing tiny costumes to variety shows where they're doing contortion or some kind of act, but they're also taking off their clothes. And then it comes around to full, full striptease, you know, fan dances in the thirties and, the things that they did to skirt the censorship laws in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And it's an art that, that continues to pop up. It seems like every time that it almost seems like there's no need for burlesque, it, it, it just creeps back up again, kind of like rock and roll. Mm-hmm. You know, It seems like something like, well, we've already done that, but here it comes again, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say that it's it's growing and then every now and then something really sparks people's interest a couple years ago a dancer named bunny galore did a video um of her stewardess act and it just set the world on fire millions of views i'm not sure what what title she won that year but it was it was at the burlesque call of fame that she did that and her video went completely viral and i'm sure there's a lot of people out there who hadn't thought about burlesque since uh dita vontis was in marilyn manson videos Uh But, you know, it's out here and it's not getting smaller, that's for sure. It's definitely growing. And I I think it grows all the time because women figure out that there's something something missing from their lives and it's their sexuality. And even if they don't make a career out of it, it's not for everybody. Even if they don't make a career out of it, it helps them to rediscover that and learn a little bit more about themselves and about accepting themselves the way they are. We met at the Nashville Rock and Pod and just a day full of music and musicians and the love of music. And I know that music is a huge part of your act and I know that you love music. I'm going to ask you to pick some songs throughout the the episode and I'd like you to pick one now that you'd like us to play. What does this song mean to you? Is it part of your act or just something you love? Well, one one of the songs I picked today is one that I danced to. It was one of the very first ones I danced to. I think the third, to be precise. I really enjoyed dancing to progressive rock. That's That's my favorite thing. And this was the first progressive rock song that I adventured into. It's, it's a, a cover of the Animals hit... Uh, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood by a a Swiss prog rock band named The Shiver. They're rather mysterious. Not a lot is known about them or their members, but it's interesting because their album cover was the first one um, illustrated by H.R. Giger. So, ever. And to be as early as it is in the the prog rock saga, it's it's pretty heavy and pretty amazing. Well, please introduce it. 
Here's Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood by The Shiver. Well, 
2018 as this is being recorded mm-hmm. and you would figure that with all the things that are out there right porn can be found everywhere almost by accident as it were I mean, if you've got the internet the everything's available right whether you want it or not it's all out there yes and you would figure that with everything that there is out there why is there a need for burlesque and what separates burlesque from porn? Well, I feel like burlesque kind of harkens back to a different time. Um, it fills people's need for for mystery and tease and a little bit something more. You know, it, it's it's not instant gratification the way porn is, <laughs> and it's it's it puts some distance between the consumer and the product, quote unquote. <laughs> mm-hmm. As far as what separates it from porn, um, a lot of a lot of burlesque dancers will tell you the difference between a burlesque dancer and a porn star is that burlesque dancers don't make any money; <laughs> <laughs> they get paid. <laughs> it's a it's a labor of love. It's it's artistic. It's a production. Yeah, definitely. It's it's more theatrical. For for me, it reminds me. It, it like I, I have a drama degree. It. It it is something that comes directly from those roots, mm-hmm. and you know I think the the main question like what it boils down to between burlesque and porn or or stripping itself is where the, where the power is. Um, porn is for that consumer that I mentioned earlier, and burlesque is for the dancer, and mm-hmm. that's that's who the power is with is with the dancer instead of the consumer. The consumer dictates the content of porn generally, and if they're in a strip club, they dictate what happens next with their money, and they're, they're, they're attending a place where those girls are in, in a service industry, and when they attend a burlesque performance, the girl is in complete control of what happens next, what you're allowed to see, what you're going to see, whether you like it or not, and she's not beholden to the audience. Mm. Music is something that's very big in your act. When you pick a song to be part of your act, what usually is the inspiration for it? Work me through that process of creating a routine. Well, either I like it to tell a story or to just be musically beautiful. If it's just musically beautiful, I go for what's known as a classic burlesque act, you know, a very classy 1930s or 1950s, you know, long dress costume with with no story to tell, I guess you'd say. Just like something you would see in the old real films of of the different dancers back in the 1960s and 50s or if it has a story to tell, that's where things get interesting. I like to interpret it with fun costumes, fun props, for instance, I think I talked to you on the phone a little bit about how my my desert island band would be the darkness. Mm-hmm. 
and their humor is a lot of people don't get it but I feel it on a visceral level I, I really love their humor and so some of my signature acts are interpretations of the little story that they have to tell uh-huh. one that I get requested to perform a lot and some people have considered one of my signatures is to one of their songs can I cuss on here okay <laughs> uh, one of their songs called shit ghost it's um sort of making fun of those sad 80s songs about vampire romances and things <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's a sad 80s song about a ghost that is a man under a sheet <laughs> And it's it's romantic, and so I I get under a bed sheet that's really obviously a bed sheet, and be a ghost. <laughs> 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 they they do one called uh, Grief Hammer, and it's about when someone's just broken up or they're having a hard time and they have to go out to a bar and get laid. It's about the person who has to do the laying. Mm. So for that one, I dress up as a construction worker, and I have a I have a giant uh, glitter hammer that I use. Like for example, you know I've been to strip clubs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and I've also been to burlesque show, and the vibe is really, really kind of different. What do you think distinguishes those two things? Like like what what is the makeup of the audience of a burlesque show? Well, I, I think I think what distinguishes it is what I said earlier. It's where the power is, whether the power's with the performer or with the consumer. It's uh, most definitely with the performer. She's in charge of her routine. She's inaccessible. She's not touchable. Uh, that's one thing is she's not there for you. She's not there for you to have. She's there for you to observe and see what she has to offer, but not to have. As far as audiences, I think a a lot of what I've seen and a lot of what I've heard other producers say, they are majority women. And the the type of people who enjoy a drag show also enjoy burlesque for the same reasons. Beautiful costumes, beautiful makeup, theatrics. There's so much – the theatrics appeal so much more to women than they do men. It takes a special kind of man to – know or decide that he wants that kind of tease or that kind of to to give up that power and be good with what he's receiving from burlesque as a as an artistic thing you you almost have to look at it as a show you know like like it's its own artistic statement yeah but a lot of guys will just get bored with uh with all the sparkle and all the contrived dance moves that aren't necessary they're sexy but sometimes they're not sexually gratifying right like titillation is where it's yeah. at. being body yeah. naughty um, naughty body and titillation it's it's, it's yeah. more like that than it is oh boy i'm going to see a nude woman tonight it's 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 really about yeah erotica telling a story mm-hmm. setting a mood women want to see sparkle and women want to see other women with power. They want to see women empowered and they want to see women that look like themselves um, with some command of their power and sexuality. Now you mentioned women that look like themselves because you don't look like many people I know. You're you're like a creature out of time. You you could be from the past, from the future. You're you're you are otherworldly in <laughs> some ways. Do you have couples that come and see you? Yeah, I do have plenty of couples. Um 
there's just last night, I work at Skull's Rainbow Room downtown. There's a fella who comes in there. He's usually wearing a pair of red shoes. And he he comes in there quite often with with his girl and they're they're pretty regular customers, which we don't get a lot of that in, in the it's kind of a tourist area. Uh-huh. But you know, a lot of people treat it like a date night and a lot of shows advertise it as a good date night, something to do together. Uh-huh. Now you talk about empowering women. I know that, for example, do women ever ask you, how did you learn how to do this and can I do this? Oh, yes, they do. They do all the time. They, they're they like, I want to I wanna feel as good as you feel up there. They want to feel confident enough to be able to show their body to people and not feel icky about it. Or even just to their significant other, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, they they want to they want to love themselves enough to be able to not mind showing themselves off, mm-hmm. to be proud of who they are and what they are, what they look like. Because believe it or not, even even me and every every woman you've probably ever met has has had a moment where they thought they're not enough and that they had to cover something up or hide. This helps to free them from that. They want that. They want they want confidence. Mm-hmm. And so there there has been a burlesque school here in town for for many many years now. They are kind of on a hiatus. They they closed their their physical location and I think they're in the process of merging with another studio. I hope they'll start classes back up soon, but that's usually where I send people. It's called Delinquent Debutantes. Mm. Well, shout out to them. Yeah. Well, it's time to pick another song. Which one would you like to favor us with? Hmm. You you described me when we were talking on the phone one time as as a queen of darkness or a mistress of the dark, and it made me think of this uh, Kinks song called Little Miss Queen of Darkness because that song always made me think of myself and the persona that I've crafted, which is kind of, if I were in the 60s, I'd be hanging out with the goth kids. They're one of my favorite bands, and they have a distinct and strange and distinctly 60s and British sound. It's mm-hmm. so it's so British <laughs> that it's refined to a sharp point, and a lot of people can't necessarily deal with the sound. But th- this this is a little more accessible. But f- for its having to do with me, I I think it's appropriate. So here's a little Miss Queen of Darkness by the Kinks. Well, I may accidentally. In a little discotheque And she acted oh so friendly To every fella that she met And her hair was hanging down Like a bright and silken sheen Little Miss Queen of Darkness Dancing night and day Little Miss Queen of Darkness of a disguise and a bright and golden hair was not all that it might seem Little Miss Queen of Darkness dances sad beyond 
Captain Coolie stepped aside And little Miss Queen of Darkness Might as well die Little Miss Queen of Darkness mentioned the queen of darkness and one has to think about elvira right oh yeah in a way she's she kind of like does burlesque without the dancing on her show right oh yeah she's definitely she's got that humor and she's got sexual humor she reminds me of a burlesque host and in in a couple of her movies there's the movie where with the infamous tassel twirling scene (laughs) which is of course burlesque yeah a hundred percent she was one of my icons growing up. I always tell people that I'm very lucky that I got to become all my heroes. <laughs> but she, she was one of my icons growing up. Elvira is definitely an icon and definitely in your wheelhouse. Now, we've talked about Nashville. What is it about Nashville that it attracts so many different kinds of people and genres and arts? I mean, lit- literally everything goes on in Nashville? Well, in the past several years, it wasn't necessarily like this when I moved to the area. When I moved here, it had kind of like a burgeoning art scene. Um, I mean, quite honestly, the the soap opera changed everything. (laughs) Now, hold on. When you say the soap opera, what do you mean? Nashville, the show. Yes. I just wanted to let our listeners know that you're talking about the, the TV show. Yes, um, Nashville, the show, changed everything. When that started, um, we started getting tourism for it and business, and people started thinking a little harder about the recording industry that is here and thinking a little harder about the culture that's here. We have 100 people moving to this town every day. Wow. And it has, yeah, they, they did a, a census, a report, and they're like, this is the average number of people that move here to live every day. It's a, it's a complete mishmash of people from all over, and now it's not just country anymore, not at all. Any kind of music you want, it's here, and it's recording, and it's trying to make it. <laughs> you know, with that many people from all over the world, all over the country coming together, there's going to be like some some shared common interests that are kind of niche. And I think that's contributed to the the growth of the burlesque industry here and the growth of what I used to call the vintage community uh-huh. here. The, the town's in the process of opening two new vintage, I guess, I'm not sure if one of them is tiki, but tiki bars to cater to that community. Just down the street from me, there's already a 70s-themed bar. Just The vintage community is getting a lot of good out of this. Uh-huh. When I was... In Nashville last year, I was surprised to see that it was a little bit of New Orleans, it was a little bit of Hollywood, it was a little bit of New York, it was a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Everything seemed to be there. Every culture seemed to be kind of represented. And the food, don't even get me started. 
I know. Boy, there's so <laughs> much good food. I know. And they're, party they're opening places. new stuff all the time. I don't even know how to deal with the food here. It's so good. Yeah, and there's a truck every five minutes. It's like there's mm-hmm. something every you know at every corner's got something. It is oh, yeah. such a great place to be. Plus, there's every bit of Americana still happening. I mean, you've got the Dukes oh, of yeah. Hazard Museum, and there's just so much going on. There was a McDonald's there that had live music. That is something <laughs> I've never seen before. That was Nashville, right? I mean, you don't step into a McDonald's and expect to see a band play. Yeah. Oh, there's there's musicians everywhere. They Everywhere you turn, pretty much, you're going to find somebody singing, somebody playing, somebody doing something. Um, there's music coming out of every business, and every business is based on music in some way, it seems. Mm-hmm. And there's such a, a rich history of the music, be it Elvis... Jerry Lee Lewis and the rhythm and blues and country, everything, it's it's all there in Nashville. And it's great. I mean, it's it's weird when, when I think about the people that I know that live in Nashville. We've got everything from guys that play in the Monkees to guys who play with Gene Simmons to Cheap Tricks. Uh, label is now there. There's so many different musicians there it's weird you think that it's all cowboy hats and then you find out it's a bunch of heavy metal guys too right it's it's not just one thing it's mind-blowing oh yeah and i'm not sure if you met him last year chris williams the drummer for accept he was there great guy he's he's wonderful people from the new york dolls there's a lot of celebrities have houses here because it's peaceful a little further south out of the city that have, you know, nothing at all to do with with country. But there's so much production, and whether it be the arts, television, or media of some sort, you can get anything done you need in Nashville. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not only is there their music row, but there's a lot of small studios, a lot of people with passion for recording. Um, I've, I've done shows at an, an analog studio. They're, they're currently between locations, but they're opening back up called the studio the studio nashville beautiful warm sounds and then there's the house of david essentially when things weren't going so hot with the economy and everybody was closing doors on music row this this fella refused to sell sealed up his studio and left it until things started booming again then opened it back up and uses the same equipment from the 70s the place is just not touched it's amazing Um, it's called house of david I, I saw Billy Ray Cyrus and Bootsy Collins do a thing there. It was pretty amazing. Now, that's diversity right there. Yeah, yeah. They were playing <laughs> together, and I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> How did that happen? But that's Nashville. That's Nashville. Yes, it is. Why don't you pick another song for us? I guess we can keep along with the, with the sort of goth theme. Cream, the band, everybody knows who they are. Everyone knows their importance to guitar history, to the psychedelic sound. But to me, they're also really important for their their strange goth songs that are a little sad and people who are dressed in all black and who rarely see the sun can sway to the songs and cry to them. Well, that's the only time they're happy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like you can see that you can see the intense enthusiasm on their face when their favorite sad song comes on and they get to sway really good to it. <laughs> And this is this is one of those. It's called Dance the Night Away by Cream. Dance the night away. 
talked about your charity work mm-hmm. you do tons of charity work as a matter of fact not just you but the entire burlesque community it seems does a lot of charity work in nashville oh yeah i mean um, besides myself i know of shows that um raise money for animal shelters and shows that raise money for breast cancer my co-producer for the charity show that i put on he does a show in October where there's an organization and the money from the show directly benefits a single person from that organization. You literally are handing it straight to a cancer patient. It's very personal and usually the person even comes to the show, which touches the heart a lot. <laughs> I actually just got done with the summer round. There's two, uh, one in December, one in the summer. 
of it's called the 48 hour strip project. Um, something that's really known here in Nashville is a film festival called the 48 hour film project where the contestants have 48 hours to make a documentary on a subject that they're assigned. This is a version of that and it is meant to raise money for a local nonprofit. They take in art supplies or things that can be used as art supplies. Um, and then they give art education to children and give teachers access to that stuff. And they give the artists in the community access to that stuff on a pay what you can basis. And last I checked, they'd saved 183 tons of stuff from the landfill and got it turned into art. That is amazing. Yeah, it's my favorite thing. It's my favorite place to go. And I really love how it's keeping Nashville weird. Sometimes that gets a little lost that I think I, I think I told you about the you know burgeoning art and music scene that was here when I moved here about a decade ago um, very underground very shoestring budget um, and very strange and innovative sometimes that gets crushed by the tourism and the people moving here and it's something I don't want to see die I want poor people to be able to afford to make art <laughs> And live uh, there. And live here, yeah. The thing is, is every place where I used to go or where I used to put on my shows, they have all had to close their doors because they're poor artists who couldn't afford to make their art anymore. It's very difficult to get these things together and for for people to afford to make art here like that, the the really unique and striking underground things. So that's why I'm really behind the turn of green, because it helps keep things weird. But essentially, the 48-hour strip, what um, I am my co-producer, uh, his name's Oscar Wilde, with no vowels, like Leonard Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> we get applications, and we select a group of six girls or, or guys, whoever. Um, our very first winner was actually a guy from Knoxville. Um, and we give them a song, and then they have 48 hours to make a brand new act out of things only coming from the Turnip Green or from Goodwill. So they make all new choreography to this song and make an all new costume basically from trash. Uh-huh. And it, it, all the profits go back to the Turnip Green. Now, you mentioned the importance of being weird. I think that's what attracted to uh, you and I to, to one another, don't you think? That's that's where we kind of bumped into one another. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think a, a lot of pop culture can be weird. You don't know why everybody's buying stuffed poop emojis, but you just, you're tickled. Aww. Weird is great. <laughs> it's also a moment in time, right? Mm-hmm. Most like, definitely. It's weird. People get mad at a band or a movie that they love that's 50 years old. And why why is this happening? And what did they mean by that song? And how dare they have a song about that? And it's 50 years later and morals have changed, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then you stop and you have to realize that it wasn't meant to last that long, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, she was just 17, you know what I mean, by, by the Beatles, was not meant to be analyzed in 2018. Yeah, I, I, I take a lot of issue with people applying modern-day morals to the arts and artists of the past. 
things things were different. Absolutely. Things were different. Sta- uh, the status quo was different. And not only that, all rock and roll was aimed at teenagers. So if you yeah. like like if you're the big bopper and you're singing a song about, you know, a, a sweet 16 girl or, you know, you you're not necessarily singing to someone you date, you're singing to the audience that would Mm-hmm. you know throw a nickel into the jukebox yeah whenever i was growing up and listening to the beatles or the beach boys or something i would i would think of it as a romance between teenagers not as a romance between adults or an adult and a child yeah it was all meant to be disposable mm-hmm. but yet it all continues to live on mm-hmm. there are some people made really important lasting things out of pop you know we talked about the kinks they made something really important and lasting out of out of pop rock. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've ever heard their album, Arthur. Yes, yes. I, I put that up there with Pet Sounds and Sgt. Pepper as, you know, the missing third thing you say after that. Mm. Really amazing, innovative concept sound that was also pop. <laughs> well, speaking of weirdos, let's let's play that one that sounds like the Beach Boys that are depressed. What was that? What song is that? This one's called Hiding Under Covers by the Growlers. I I really struggled to find a song that encapsulated their sound, but it's so hard. It's so varying. They change styles often. They call themselves Beach Goth. Okay. They got the California sound, but the lyrics are so poignant and applicable and about really tough subjects. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that there are a lot of artists you could say are making beautiful and unique music, and also their lyrics contain literal poetry, mm. where if you bought it as a book of poetry, you'd be like, my God, my soul. <laughs> mm-hmm. So composition-wise, these guys, literary and musical sound, they are top-notch I guess this is as close as I can come to capturing their sound. So this is Hiding Under Covers by the Growlers. But you can't. 
talked about the burlesque community in Nashville, and mm -hmm. I know that there are a lot of people. You have like your Justice League of fellow burlesque dancers. Would you like to give a shout out and mention some of your contemporaries, some of the people that make Nashville such a cool place? <laughs> when I wrote, I kind of wrote a list of people that I would love to thank or love to talk about. I think I narrowed it down to the weirdos. I thought that's what we should talk about is the weirdos. <laughs> well, there's you, me, um, and them now. So. Yep. So Oscar Wilde, he's my A number one weirdo. He is Nashville's only boy lesker. He's the only only guy doing it out there. And he puts on he puts on the weird shows nowadays. He his his charity Halloween show, and he's the co-producer of it's called Dirty Nerdy Burlesque. Essentially, it's pop culture, anime, video games, movies, burlesque acts, co basically cosplay burlesque acts. And they, they put that on in a distillery. It's really cool. From the, from the moment I met him, he was he was the most artistic motherfucker I ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> like, there, there's a, there were a lot of people out there doing burlesque with some political aim or high concept. He's up there. He, he really has something in his heart he he has deep artistic feelings that he needs to put in his performances and they're so personally meaningful to him and that that's the kind of stuff i like to see and working with him over the years has been really great love watching his freak flag fly <laughs> mm -hmm. i guess i I'd, I'd like to give a shout out to Deletta Delight my I, I consider her my burlesque big sister she's been performing here since Basically, the inception of Nashville Burlesque. Uh, I think this year was her 11-year anniversary. She's a beautiful person inside and out. One one of my absolute favorite performers to see is Marie Merlot. Every time she performs, she just blows your mind with the way she moves those legs. <laughs> her acrobatics and her command of stillness is is really striking. Okay, um, there's Kinetic Kristen. She's a trained circus performer, and she went to circus college. She's very multi-talented. She does many things. Hoop, what's known as a sear wheel, which is basically a, a large hoop that you can stand inside and roll with. Now, there's a video I've seen of her on a bridge. Yes, uh, that's her doing her amazing hoops. Um, she's she's a, actually she's insane. She's so talented. Oh, yeah. She's actually part of my my significant other's new project um is a, is a circus rock and rock and roll circus essentially and she is a why don't you talk about that a little bit okay plug it you can't talk about the weird and cool people in nashville without talking about toddzilla that's true um you mentioned him before you described his look um <laughs> he's he's been making music here in town for the past 30 years back when rock musicians didn't have a place here necessarily when it was all country now rock music has a little bit more of a home mm -hmm. his new circus project we launched that actually just just a couple weeks ago toddzilla's rip roar and rock and roll big top it's meant to be a touring thing where we take the circus performers you know i i, I provided the entertainment end and rounded up some really great circus people fire performers contortionists uh girls who do bed of nails and dance with snakes and swords and he provides the amazing guitarmanship. He's the ringleader. He has a very big personality. And 
that's an understatement. Persona, yeah, big yeah. personality and a big persona that's very easily recognizable. And having him front and center, leading it, and so he plays a lot of really well loved hits that are very challenging uh, for guitarists and for the other people in his band who are also just really bang up musicians. One of them even has an Emmy. Then the circus performers come out, so it's it's a complete assault. You're you're bombarded by the most amazing musicians you've ever seen with circus performers all in the middle of everything. Silks performers dangling from the, the, the ceilings, aerialists, hoopers, belly dancers, people breathing fire. It's a true spectacle. Definitely. Most definitely. It's, it's a total sensory assault, but in the good way. <laughs> and, and, and the name of that again is? Uh, it's Toddzilla's Rip Roar and Rock and Roll Big Top. <laughs> <laughs> we decided to go with a long, dumb name. <laughs> hey, we're like, works. let's take it. It, used, it had some more words. We cut it a little shorter, but we're like, just go for it. Just make it nice and long and ridiculous because... We're ridiculous. He's ridiculous. That's my favorite entertainment. I was watching yeah. a Kiss video yesterday mm-hmm. of them playing on their last jaunt that they did. And I turned to someone and I said, you know, Kiss really is stupid. <laughs> and I love them. <laughs> That's the thing I love mm-hmm. about it. It's just so over the top and silly, you know, and it makes me feel so good. So that really there's something about that it should be like that it should be silly it should be tongue-in-cheek it should oh, yeah. be it, otherwise there's no fun in things then what's the point? exactly he he doesn't necessarily like share my love of the darkness but i think that really encapsulates why i like them so much exactly exactly <laughs> they're so over the top they they look the some of the silliness of of hair metal in that era right in the face and then mm-hmm. just turn it back around and pay really great and hilarious homage <laughs> to all of that. Well, do you have a darkness song you like to play? So I guess we can take a listen to the song that I do my signature ghost act to. Um, that one is called Shit Ghost by The Darkness. Take a shit from the bed Two eye holes and put it on my head I just can't get you to admit That I'm always by your side In spirit Like a shaker
someone like Abby Costello come from? I'm not asking you to reveal your true name, but I <laughs> I highly doubt that a parent said, I'm going to name our child Abby Costello. Yeah, no, they did. Because I have to assume that that's a joke on Abbott and Costello, right? Yes, it is. Not a lot of people get it. It sounds like a pretty normal name off the cuff, but it, it is a pun. <laughs> <laughs> what would I be without my puns? So, of course, it's a pun. Um, and I was very surprised that no one has ever used this name before, so I was all over it. I, I guess I, if I if I had to talk about the origin of the persona and, uh, um, as well as the burlesque origin, I guess I say it starts with um, when ar- around the time I was turning 20, 21, been doing college for a couple of years, I started getting a really severe anxiety disorder. And in the end, I ended up basically housebound for seven years ish. And I, I think I crafted my look and the image that I wanted to project, which I would describe it as if a 1950s Dior ad had vampires in it. I, I crafted that persona as part of the life I wish I could lead because I wasn't leading any life. Kind of like Rocky Horror, don't dream yeah. it, be it. Yeah, I, I, and then I got through that and I started taking um, a vitamin. It, it sounds so dumb to say that I took a vitamin and it cured me from being <laughs> housebound, but it did. I, I started taking an amino acid vitamin that got me out of the house for the first time in seven years. And, and my burlesque journey began around that time. But I, I, I sort of have always had a kind of theatrical image, you know, from childhood. I always knew I wanted to be a performer of some kind. I had a lot of inventiveness, a lot of imagination, and I just didn't know what I could do that could put me in front of people. And I was searching for it. And when I was about 11 years old and I got my first taste of the Internet, I figured out burlesque and I was like, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. I I started begging my mom to let me dress as a playboy bunny for Halloween every year after that. And <laughs> God, I, I, I tell people I live to shock my mother. <laughs> I existed for it. It's what I do. <laughs> all my, all my biggest idols were fabulous rhinestone encrusted, confident women. When people asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would say I want to be a stripper <laughs> so I guess I was a special kind of kid. 
Um, I bet your high school guidance teacher loved that. They kind of wrote me off as a failure. From then on, they stopped. It was like they stopped taking me seriously in my classes. They're like, okay. <laughs> which, which I wasn't. I was just different. Aren't we all? Yeah. And I, I would say I wanted to be a stripper because I imagined that someone who was a stripper or a burlesque dancer was confident and happy and in control of their lives and po powerful. It was really the allure of the, the confidence in yourself and in your fabulousness and in the way you choose to be and to present yourself. But that, that was always just like a, a, a fantasy for me until I, I met Freya West and Chandeliers at an, at an art show. Uh, it was in Logue's Black Raven Emporium, one of those tiny little artist spaces that doesn't exist anymore. It was in a basement. I, I met them at an H.P. Lovecraft art show there. And they started talking about their burlesque school. They're the ladies behind delinquent debutantes. And they're like, you should take some classes. And I was like, oh, I couldn't possibly do that because I'm supposed to be a doctor and millionaire. <laughs> but one of my friends, she was like, no, let's let's do it. I mean, we don't have to be burlesque dancers. Let's just do it. Let's have a life experience. So I went with her and she dropped out and I stayed in. And here we are. Now it's my it's my job. It's my life. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot. And I'm okay. going to say some things that maybe you don't want revealed, but I'm going to say it. I look at you as being a teacher. And this is something I've, I've observed over a lot of what you do. You have a great sense of community. You mm. seem to be a leader. You seem to be someone that is using whatever power you have to help others find their power. Am I right? I would say so. I've I've said to people before that I think I'm here to take people's hands and and if not guide them all the way up the path at least put them on it um somebody once said to me that the role i play in 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 the community here not just the burlesque community but in nashville is as a permission giver and i, I loved her description of this she was a very eloquent lady her name is uh kristen chapman gibbons um, she, she helped to head, um, the erotic arts round table here in Nashville. It's, it's, it's defunct at the moment, but hopefully not forever. She said, you're a permission giver. The way that you project yourself is so classy. You carry yourself with such bearing. And if you, someone who is, who carries themselves with a lot of grace and has a lot of manners and seems really, I don't know how to describe that without sounding conceited. I, I'm trying to think of the words she used, but she said somebody, somebody who, as class, who, who projects themselves as the kind of classy person. I know I try to project myself as I try to, I try to be a class act. I try to be kind and I try to not be brash and rude to people to always be accepting and to help them. She said that because I was that kind of person and I also took my clothes off and embraced myself and embraced sexuality and embraced the fact that it has, sexuality has a place in art, mm -hmm. it gives other people permission to have those thoughts and do those things. Because if someone, an educated woman who presents as very classy is doing this thing with sexuality, it gives everyone else who ever questioned 
can I do that? Could I do that? Am I allowed to feel these things or feel that way? It gives them permission to feel that way and think those things about themselves, about their sexuality, about the world around them. Yeah. Well, I'm an artist. Uh, I, I sing. I can do a lot of things. I'm a creator of many things. And a lot of people say, gee, I wish I could sing. Gee, I wish I could draw. Gee, I wish I could play guitar. And just do it. It doesn't yeah. matter if you are going to make a living at it or if you're fantastic mm -hmm. at it. It matters that you try it, right? Like, yeah. I've done... There, there are times that I'm not always thrilled with life, and but then I look back on a lot of the things that I've done, and I've had a real fun life. I've, I've had a great life, right? I've, I've done like if I wanted to do stand-up comedy, I, I did that. If I wanted to write for a newspaper, I did that. If I wanted to be mm -hmm. in a rock band, I did that. Damn straight. <laughs> you know, I've done just about everything. It may not have been at the level that. I would have wanted it to be like I didn't play Madison mm -hmm. Square Garden. I didn't get a platinum album. I wasn't on Saturday Night Live, but I did everything I've ever wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And what would you say to the person out there right now who's sitting at their desk at work listening to this, or maybe, maybe they're just listening to it on a drive or where, wherever they are right now. What would you say to the person who might be a poet, but doesn't know it? What, what would you say to the person who, is, is trying to figure out who they are, what would you tell them? I, I would say that the secret to happiness and the secret to living your dreams and the secret to not thinking those things are impossible is giving fewer fucks. Stop, mm. stop caring what other people think. Stop trying to impress society. Stop trying to live by society's timeline. You can do literally anything you want, and when you die, you're dead, and your reputation literally doesn't matter. You're dead. You're in the ground. What matters is your experiences and the way that you impact other people's lives. And I, I tossed what I was supposed to be doing out the window. And now I'm, I'm doing everything I ever wanted to do. The supposed to, because you're a good girl is out the window. And I really don't give a crap what kind of legacy I leave behind. I think it's going to be a pretty okay one <laughs> or more so than okay. Too. I think so, too. <laughs> I get a lot of people come up to me after after shows and they say, I, I wish I could be as comfortable as you. And, and a thing that I make a point, to, I, at first I didn't, I did it because I didn't give a fuck. I would go out after shows as naked as I could be to meet and greet with people because they think it's fun. And I was like, okay, the audience likes this. They think it's fun. They take pictures with me. They're so tickled. And then I started getting people asking me, I wish I could be as confident as you to just stand there naked like that, just stand there completely freaking naked. And I'm like, just stop caring. Just that's all it takes. And I, I take that role of permission giver and I go stand naked as I can be after my shows to give everyone their permission to stand naked, to be that confident. If I can do it, so can you. Literally, the only difference between the both of us is that I have already taken off my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I got a big secret to tell everyone. Everybody's nude underneath their clothes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> They're like, they want to be as confident as me. Literally, just take off your clothes and start standing and talking to people. And you'll find that it's not any different than standing and talking to them with your clothes on. 
I mean, they might get a little weirded out, but again, if you don't give a fuck what they think, if you only give a fuck what you think, then doing that is okay. The only thing, a cautionary point that I feel I need to to make is that just, you know, just as an an act of self-protection, try not to cook bacon in the nude. That's really the only... Yeah. That's different. Make sure you have a splatter <laughs> screen, you know. Cook bacon safely, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're going to be naked, at least put an apron on. Like one of those ones that covers your your front, covers your bits. Covers the bits. Make the sure bacon you're safe. bits. The bacon yeah. bits. I actually I actually have an apron that I bought just because I thought it would look good when I wore it naked. Not for photo shoots, just to have. <laughs> it's an it's an important thing. I, it, it does my heart good to know that you're going to cook bacon in safety. Yes, I I, I try to be cautious. Yes. <laughs> Especially with breakfast meats. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. That, that's my message, guys. Always be careful when dealing with breakfast meats. <laughs> so. Nashville Rock and Pod 2018 is happening, and I hope to see you there again. Oh yeah, we'll be there. Good. We're gonna get a picture this time. We didn't last time. It was just For so. Sure, yeah. And uh, it's been great getting to know you. And come on out to Rock and Pod. Hang out with all of us. We'll all be there. You're going to be there. I'm going to be there. It's it's the place to be in Nashville on that day, August 25th, 2018. Click on the link and find out how to get there and be part of the scene. Still love it loud? So do we. Rockin' Pod returns to Nashville on Saturday, August 25th. Over 25 rock podcasts from all over North America. Recording on site. Vinyl and memorabilia dealers selling the best in rock merchandise. And awesome rock musicians and personalities participating in signing sessions and onstage panel discussions throughout the day. Special guests include current and former members of Korn, Angel, Winger, Loudness, Except, Bang Tango. King Tracy, as well as producers that have worked with Slayer, Ozzy, Alice Cooper, Seven Dust, and many more. More guests being added weekly. Don't miss your chance to be part of an awesome celebration of all things rock. Rock and Pod takes place at the legendary Nashville Palace, August 25th, 2018. More details available at rockandpod.com. That's R-O-C-K-N-P-O-D.com. The Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. Brought to you by Blind Tiger Record Club. School of Rock Nashville and School of Rock Franklin, a DBG Productions event. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show today, Abby. My pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. And maybe we'll have you on our fun size show where you could play our the, the, the dumbest game show on the internet. Is the music like really obscure from you or do you try really hard to stump somebody? I try not to really like stump people but there's been okay. some that have really i was like is this mean are we supposed to be mean to each other and pick something no, no. awful and obscure? like for example if someone like says well here's a song my uncle joe used to sing to the dogs i will throw you right off the show but if it's you know <laughs> it's just a fun just a fun game just imagine like yeah. you and i are sitting in a car and we don't like what's on the radio, and we're bored. So we're going. What we're going to do is just figure out what song is, you know, a, a popular song of some, you know, some import that someone would have heard of. Abby, where can people find you on the social medias? Um, you can find me at on Instagram at 
abby.on.first, like, you know, who's on first, mm. or Facebook at facebook.com slash abbycostelloburlesque. Very good. Uh, you can also find my happy hour show at facebook.com slash underground. Mm-hmm. Now, you're going to teach me how to uh, do a burlesque show, right? Sure. And I've already got the uh, sequined blue sparkly dress, and we got to really tease my hair up. And I'm going to do that thing where I slide the one glove off and spin it. So you're <laughs> going to teach me how to do that, okay? I can. I can do that. All right, excellent. I look forward to it. Well, we will see you in Nashville, and just sending love to you from here. And uh, thank you for being on Pop today. Yeah, of course. And that's our show. Pop is an online, nonprofit pop culture audio fanzine made for fans by fans. Any samples of music, TV, or movies heard here remain the property of their owners. Pop, a pop culture podcast, is not affiliated with any products we review or discuss. Opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of the pop staff. If you like something that you heard, buy it at your local record, video, or bookstores, or wherever pop is found. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying whatever you do, make sure it pops. Hey, Popheads, we know you love the hottest pop culture podcast, Pop. Now tell the world. Get your own pop swag, t-shirts, miniskirts, mugs, tote bags, and more at redbubble.com. Just search for Designs by Ken, all one word. And remember, you can get your own free pop button from Christine the Button Queen. Simply pay $3 shipping and handling for each button via PayPal at zilchorders at gmail.com. Find us on the web at poppodcast.blogspot.com, on iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts can be heard. Join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash pop podcast and like us on Twitter at Pop Staff Tweets. Say goodnight, Dick. <laughs>